Welcome to part two of the Productivity and Purpose podcast. Make sure you've listened to part one as we continue our conversation with James Bolley. The bit that kind of joins us and you together is purpose and productivity. You touched before on 30% increase is kind of the average or industry stat where people have got a, a workforce that mm-hmm. are really linked and bought into their, their purpose. Mm-hmm. Have we got any examples around those that we can share with the listeners? Well, it's it's interesting because there aren't, as I say, a lot of kind of validated studies that say brand X is 30% more productive than brand Y because it has a purpose, because that, frankly, that kind of, that research hasn't ever been done. And if it had, people wouldn't, <laughs> people probably wouldn't be very happy with it being shared. So that productivity stat is one that comes out in, one that comes out in academic and laboratory research, but then typically when you talk to people about that statistic, it makes intuitive sense to them that, yeah, if you cared about what you were doing and could see that it related to something bigger, then you would try harder. What you what you want to look at there is, is the productivity in my organization where it could be? And that's a, a big link with, with rethink in terms of, you know, what the jobs that are people doing them, how quickly are they doing them and how that how does that relate to industry standards or what we would expect from, from other industries? And what is the reason why that stuff's not productive? Is it because our process is wrong? Is it because our people aren't doing the right things? Or is it that our people aren't doing them right or don't care about doing them? And actually when you get the data, I mean as I said, I'm, I'm a data geek. When you look at our financial performance, our productivity numbers, maybe even our customer experience results or our employee engagement scores, so when you can bring those elements all together, that you can really begin to get a sense of you know how we can transform the productivity um, in this in this business and, the, and our performance, rather than just trying to look at any one part individually. Yeah, and I think we've seen from our side, we we work with lots of people that talk about their teams in stores or hotels talk about loving the brand sometimes that's because it's secure and it's national and it's safe difficult in the times of recording with all the yeah really hard stuff but sometimes it's because of that i'm never sure it's an actual purpose it's more about how i feel than some of the other brands and and it tends to be the i'd call them younger brands so by younger i mean probably less heritage more or more creative if they do have a, a big heritage hmm. um, and play to the the modern way of working and, and feeling and thinking about colleagues when they say we love the brand they actually mean i buy into the purpose you have to kind of peel back the layers from what i've seen to people get confused between brand and, and purpose when they talk about it but their behaviors and then as you say what some of the data shows us some buy into the brand for personal reasons of i'm i'm not going to be made redundant this company's not going to go bust others buy into it because i love seeing the people that come into my coffee shop every day when I give them a coffee, they've got a smile on their face. Like you say, it's not about the coffee per se. It's about the feeling that happens in that exchange. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the one of the challenges when you talk about purpose is if you're looking at somebody, um, yeah, let's say baristas, the, the example you just gave, if the coffee shop next door says, I guarantee you're going to keep this job twice as long and we can pay you twice as much, that has a big impact on whether or not somebody's going to work in one coffee shop or another, but all other things being equal, you know, 
that purpose will will inspire people to work harder when they connect to it. And actually, the evidence suggests people will give up a certain proportion of of salary in order to be connected more clearly to that uh, to that meaning. And I, I think you know when you are looking at um, when you're looking at the current situation with the, the coronavirus and and beyond, where people can connect their efforts with some benefit to society, it means more and and they do more. I mean, I guess my question to you, Simon, would be, you know, you, you've talked about how some of the younger brands people are able to buy into kind of the, the purpose and the brand a bit more. I mean, in my experience of customer experience strategies, often having a clear purpose and a brand that's aligned with it will mean that customer experience strategy can be better defined. Do you, can you think of any examples where maybe brands have better processes in store or in restaurant or whatever it might be processes are better defined because they've got a clearer sense of who they are and what they want to achieve than than others yeah i think coffee is an is an interesting one we've talked a lot about coffee on this this podcast i think there's a number of reasons for that and we work with a couple of the big coffee chains it it's a very narrow range of things you're selling Mm -hmm. so you've not got thirty thousand products let's say it's a very personal service so I order my coffee and if you see me every day, hopefully you get to know what coffee I like and you've almost, you're going to challenge me to try something different or you're going to say, you know, Americano, flat white, whatever it, it might be. So there's a an emotional connection of customer and brand or store or coffee shop. There's very, or I think there's easier ways to anchor some of the things you want to deliver. So is it freshly ground? Is it hand prepared? Is it the latest roast from Brazil or, or whatever? So there's very clear marketing things Mm. but but from a purpose point of view it's also very theatrical and visual Mm -hmm. you can see me make it or press the buttons you can read my face am i enjoying doing that job it's quite a making a cup of coffee is an art from from what we see and i think we've seen some really good examples in hospitality where that that's worked the the mission the values and the purpose are very very entwined and interlinked which at a local level you see some amazing examples of you know people knowing almost every morning every customer that walks in Mm. pretty much knowing what they want having that rapport talking about the weather I think Pret do a good job on some of that stuff where they give give the autonomy and their purpose to recognize somebody so the team have got the ability to give someone a free coffee or pastry because they smile or they don't look particularly happy so they've you know, if their purpose is to empower the teams to create happy customers, they give them that ability to a couple of times a day say, hey, you know, cheer up. It's not all that bad. Have this coffee on us. Mm. Food and the other side of retail, DIY, the, the kind of big multiples, I think the scale gets harder to deliver, although I think it, it's still possible if it if it's important enough. But you see those companies that have got big heritage, Waitrose, John Lewis, Sainsbury's Boots, they've all got purpose statements and mission statements at times they're not necessarily authentic mm-hmm. um some of that some of that might be local some of that might might be senior led and it, it, it's a challenge isn't it? it it's really difficult to deliver on scale yeah absolutely i mean and especially when you're looking at some of these heritage businesses that may have been uh through ownership changes you know gone private gone public gone private again you know the the private equity owners in in these brands have a lot to answer for sometimes because their aim is not to pursue a purpose it is to um, is to make a, a buck so you know inevitably 
brands will be taken away from their purpose. I mean, the kind of the gold standard in customer service is always, or at least in, in my day in customer experience, everyone talked about the John Lewis partnership, where clearly they have the partner ownership model that enables them to do things differently. I mean, actually, if you dig into John Lewis, they say that their purpose is to deliver a great place to work for their partners. And actually running a good retail business is just the way they've chosen to deliver safe, valuable, meaningful employment to their partners. And that then comes through in, in the way that they work in a way that, you know, some of the other brands will find it difficult to deliver. Um, but I love, you know, I love when you're talking about the individuals, they can see that they're making a difference on people's lives and, you know, they, they are inspired and, and more into it. I think, you know, you're reminded of the guy pushing the mop around at, uh, at the NASA Space Center and when asked, what's your job? He says, I'm helping putting a man on the moon. You know, he's somebody doing a not particularly meaningful job and finding a lot of meaning out of it. Whereas, you, you know, you can go into very purpose-led organizations, um, museums, for example, and find people doing jobs they derive no meaning from because they've not been enabled to connect what they do to that bigger purpose. And that's that's something of an art, I think, that a lot of big brands are really good at and some need to, to work harder on in terms of say, not just saying you've got that purpose, but then enabling people to see how they're having an impact on that purpose. Yeah, and if the local leadership, the museum, the hotel, the coffee shop, the DIY store, the, the supermarket, if the local leaders there aren't bought in and engaged in that purpose, then clearly they've got to deliver and live that purpose down to their team. So you get, I suppose, like anything, you get potential blockers in that whole filter down to the the colleagues at the, the customer-facing level, which theoretically are your biggest brand purpose ambassadors. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And then it's, you know, it is one, one of the things I don't, don't like about the, the purpose literature is that one of, one of the stats that people always quote is, you know, purpose-led brands are growing X times faster than non-purpose-led brands. And that is because it's easier in a smaller, newer brand to say what your purpose is and, and to follow it. You know, it, imagine going into a 150-year-old brand like Boots and trying to retrofit a purpose and then make it meaningful to everybody. It's, you know, that's a that's a, a big job and it is hugely reliant on local leadership in these large brands in the same way that you know, caring about delivering a good customer experience and making sure your your team are well looked after are the local leaders uh, are, the, are the key people for making sure that happens. If you can define that purpose and recruit the right people. Um, who are willing to make decisions aligned to that purpose, you, you can make a huge difference. Even in, in these um, in these big brands, you can see real pockets of excellence. And it normally comes down to you've been able to find a leadership team there that's able to connect better with the purpose and run a great business around it. Yeah, I think just to... So it's just to finish off on a on a personal note. So clearly we we both run businesses. Rethink uh, we're just coming up to nine, believe it or not, nine years old. Wow. If you'd have asked me this time last year what our purpose was, was I would have told you, you know, we deliver productivity insight to people and we do X, Y, and Z. And it'd have all been functional stuff that probably should be on a mission statement or a customer charter, whatever you want to call mm. it. And go, and going through that piece of work, that purpose work that you supported us with kind of towards the end of January with the, all the team involved, I think it was really powerful for us. And we've, we, re, we do refer back to it and it does cause some contention at times with what your purpose that you've defined with the team and they buy into to 
to what you're doing and how how does that sit mm. with that? And we and we've discussed that with a number of a number of times with them and, and checked in of you know does this fit with what we said we're about and that that opens up the debate for people to do it. And if you take, I think the big takeout for me was the authenticity. So if you take out the what we're here to do is to deliver projects to people and great data and for them to pay us for it, take that out of the equation and come back to is is the company that wants us to work with them from our point of view, do they fit our purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, you start to think about things slightly differently and there's some difficult decisions to make if you're going to stick absolutely true to it. But that's, I think, my learning is if you sign up to develop one for us because we've got a relatively small team, having them all involved in that was, was really powerful because it's co-created. And two, opening up the challenge of if there's a tension against your purpose and the things you're doing, having that conversation and almost getting everybody to a, to a place where they agree or we take a different route or actually we say, no, it, it doesn't fit with us. Is there a different way of doing it or or not? becomes really powerful because, you, like you said right at the start, you move away from it being led by it's another project and we're going to charge X and that's really good because we're going to make some profit this year or, or what have you too. If we want to make things better for people and society, which is part of our purpose, how does this fit and does that brand do the same? Yeah, and I think that there are two things I would say on that. The first is really kind of um, really short, which is my first boss always said to me, a principle is not a principle until it's cost you something, which kind of I, I think sums up what, what you're saying in, in terms of, yeah. you know, there's actually we need to be more um, mindful or more thoughtful about some of the decisions we might make because we've got this thing that everyone is aligned behind and we all emotionally buy into. Now, discovering the purpose is one thing, but then being an empathetic leader who cares about it and can create the culture where people feel free to challenge them on the purpose and say, is this the right thing to do? Or should we go this way? Here's some new ideas that way. That's another challenge again. And that's you know, kind of credit to you because not all of the organizations that we help discover purposes then have leadership who are willing to take that, that challenge or, or make those tough decisions. And, you know, the quality of your organization or the effectiveness of your purpose isn't in how pretty the, the the sentence that you come up with looks or which walls you paint it on. It's how you live it day to day. And, you know, what you're saying, I think, is the perfect example of that. And I'm not saying we get it right every time by any stretch, but having lived in a world without one to living in a world with one, we're challenging ourselves on, on different things with the team. So... Um, it's a really interesting journey to go through. So I think we've um, we've had an amazing conversation. I'll, I'll ask you one question and we're going to ask everybody that comes on the podcast this question. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? I'll tell you what, Simon, I mean, I get, uh, I get given business advice all the time and you always have to be careful of uh, survivor bias, which is, you know, I've been in business 10 years. And my advice is, is this, you know, people think the advice they're giving you is the right advice because, they're still going, but it's not always the right advice for the for the individual. And so what I would say to any individual within a business, um, the advice that's worked best for me in that respect is every time you take an idea, don't try and assess it um, to death. Don't try and business plan everything. Just ask yourself, is it safe enough to try this? And if the answer is, yeah, it probably is, then go for it. Because try as many things as you can 
try and make as big an impact as you can. Be curious, be passionate. If it's safe enough to try, go for it. Excellent. Love that. So on a final note, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, if, if anybody's been interested in the, the subject of, of purpose or um, team happiness or individual happiness at work in general, the website is a great place to go, which is www.prpsfl.com. So that's purposeful.com. Or you can get a hold of me at james at purposeful.com. And we'll provide a link to your LinkedIn profile in the text when we launch this podcast. Thank you so much for Thanks having for me. Thanks for coming on, James. No, it's been a pleasure as always. And we're going to do another one on data insight and analytics. And I think you're going to make a guest appearance on the customer experience one, which we'll be recording soon. So we will hear your voice again. Appreciate you coming on, James. Thank you and take care. You too. Thanks, Simon. See you soon.